British Strongman Podcast, episode 13. So today we've got Luke Davis uh, joining us on the show. Um, we've had him booked in before, but he uh, ghosted us right at the last minute. Fucked us off. Um, so, That's the missus' fault. Yeah, we just so found out nice that he to have you, Luke. So, um, give us a brief bio on yourself for the people who um, people who don't know your name already. So he's a, he's a house, household name, housewife's favourite. Yeah. <laughs> um, most well known for being Rihanna Lovelace's boyfriend, probably. Yeah, that's um, a household name. Um, I own Chaos Strength Gym in Preston. Um, I've got world record deadlift in the under 105 kilo class. Um, I've competed all over the world now. I've been to three world championships. Um one Wales strongest man twice, but nobody cares about that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the boy, really. Awesome, mate. So, um, what, t- tell us about your your deadlift record and your deadlift PB, and tell us about your go- your goals with the deadlift. Where, where do you where do you see yourself like in the next year or two with it? Um, I pulled out four ten, four hundred ten kilos at the SFN Expo last year, and the one hundred five. Um, Long-term goal is 455, which is like £1,000, probably next year. Um, wow. This year, I'm hoping to hit 400 raw within the next few weeks. And then I'll probably get back yeah. and push up to like 430 this year. Well, you're looking good for that anyway, aren't you? What do you do today? 370 for two raw, 365 for two as well? Yeah, 365 followed by 370. So, I didn't actually realise that. Or until you, uh, well, now that I think about it, there was no suit, but I just assumed it was in a suit because uh, your last peak was. So that's really good. Yeah, I, I lent my suit to um, one of our clients about four months ago, and I still haven't had it back. So I've got so, uh, <laughs> this thousand pounds you want to go for. Is that going to be at one hundred and five, or have you sacked that off and you're um, going to do it at one hundred and twenty, or whatever the hell you're at? First, first time I do it, that's probably about where I am now, like 120. But long term, I'd like to do it at 105, yeah. So probably first being fat, then diet and do it again. That's something that you did with the... 400, 100, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I pulled yeah. 400 wow. first. Wow, brilliant. In the you, dream have, you got, uh, have you got a debt to do it? Or? Josh is dying, I think. Yeah, keep, keep going. going. Yeah, um, I pulled I pulled four hundred first of all, weighing about one seventeen in the gym, and then right. I um, did a like ten week diet and did it again at one hundred five. So, how did you find like what's the difference for you training in like a calorie surplus or eating whatever the hell you want and and dieting? Do you, do you take a different approach to your your deadlift peak? Is it more like maintaining your strength while you diet down or, or what? Essentially, for me, yeah. Um, when I'm in a, when I'm dieting, I especially if it's for a deadlift only comp, because there's a big difference between a full comp with a deadlifting. If it's just deadlift only, I basically throw all accessories out the window if I'm dieting, and I essentially just deadlift and just recover in the time between that. Whereas right now, because I'm in a surplus, I'm training like five times a week hard, so it's a lot different. So when you say you chuck accessories out the window, yeah, do you still do like accessories for your deadlift or, or just, just deadlift? For the 410 in the SFM, for the last seven to eight weeks, I did one set of deadlifts on a Monday. Fuck all for six days. Then another set of deadlifts the Monday after. Repeat for eight weeks. That's, that's what I did for the 410. Yeah. It makes sense, really, because the numbers you're lifting, I mean, from, from my coaching experience, I would give someone, <clears throat> I would let them deadlift every other week heavy uh, if they were doing all the other training as well. So if you scrap all that, I guess you're getting more recovery time to... I, I felt fine by the time the next session came around, especially because I was in my suit. You know, it's like, if it's raw, it's different, I can't recover as fast. Yeah. But when I'm pulling heavy, the recovery is better as well. That's good. And what what kind of percentages were you doing in your in your peak, and like what kind of rep ranges? It was it was super basic, man. Um, 
a little, like eight weeks out, I think I started with a set of five, like a heavy set of five. I did fives for two weeks, then like triples for like two, three weeks maybe. And when I say triples and five, I mean one set, one top set. And just added five to ten kilos a week. And I think I ended on like a 370, 375 double maybe, 380 double. I can't quite remember. But that was about and three, did, was about three weeks so- so, so did you have did you have your numbers like written down, like planned out what you were shooting for, or do you have like yeah, a range, yeah. or or do, or do you go just on how you feel or what? A bit of both. So I had I had like a vague outline of around where I would be, but if I felt fucking great warming up, I'd bump it up by five kilos, or if I felt like shit, I'd drop it down five kilos. So played it by year really. And how how do you feel about about that kind of approach, like in your own uh, like general? training you know like in terms of you know like say if you have a day where you feel like a freak like do you, do you cash in on that or would you stick to your program or no I cash in every fucking time if I feel good yeah. um, there's only so many days especially as you get longer into the sport yeah um, you're gonna run out eventually of days where you feel like a fucking freak so like I had a, I had a long PBS day I wasn't supposed to do that but I, yeah. I had like I think I had three doubles at like one thirty first, and they all absolutely flew up. So I just chucked on fucking another twenty kilos and did a heavy single, which was unplanned. Yeah, that's something that I well, I try and instill it in the people I coach, but it always comes back to, oh Shane, I'm sorry, I went off program and I did this PB, and I'm like, well, that's the, that's the idea. Like, <laughs> <it's> a, <laughs> exactly. I apologise for it. Like, um, yeah, that. I get- well, I, I always say to my clients... I get annoyed when people say that. I say to my clients, if you're going to go off program, just make sure you do something fucking good. I say if you fail, you're a dick, but... Yeah, exactly. If you go off program and you fail, you're you're shit. But if you go off and fucking hit the 20 kilo PB, how can you be mad at that? Yeah. My my philosophy with that is, like, I I get people to... I, I, I hate it when people, like, go off... Well, I, I despise it when people go off program at the expense of doing, like, say, the graft or, or, oh. or like, or like, basically, if somebody, somebody, like, you can tell it's because they were shying away from the graft, so they just did like a heavy single yeah. or double or something. Yeah. But, after, but after, like, if somebody, yeah, I totally agree. I, after I did my heavy single yesterday, I still did my plant back offsets and all my assistance. Yeah, that's class. And that, that's what I, that's what I encourage people to do. And like, 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 say for instance, um, you might have, we might have certain days where you know that right. Well, I can train for two and a half hours today, and I can spend. I'm doing a top set of deadlift or top set of log, and I can actually spend 50 minutes doing that. And if I feel good, I'm going to cash in and take advantage, and I'll still have time to do all my drop downs and all my volume and all my programmed stuff but I still get something to satisfy my own ego, if you will. Yeah. And, um, and I, think, I, I think that's important. Like some people laugh when you talk about like, like that and think you're kind of taking a piss a little bit. But I think it's important, like, because um, at the end of the day, wh- why do we all train and why do we all do it? Like, it's fucking fun, isn't it? That's, that's what I um, try to explain to people a lot of the time, not just as a lifter and a coach. Okay, the whole point yeah. of it is to fucking enjoy it. So if you're just doing all this fucking graft and it's boring you, and at some point you're just going to be like, I can't be fucking arsed doing this anymore. So you have to have some sort of incentive there to keep people involved. Well, I, yeah. I personally do the lift anyway. That's why I don't like, well, I say don't like, I understand it, but when people say, oh, save your PBs for the platform, save your PBs for the platform, well, you, you might be, you know, I don't compete very often and you get bored of training. You want to see that you, when you put in the graft, you need to see your blind do anyway. I need to see my progress a little bit. So I just like test it a little bit and then you pull back and yeah. And yet, and even though I do enjoy competing and like hitting PBs and comps, I hit my first 400 in the gym and that meant just as much to me as fucking. Yeah. In a comp. I was like, it's fucking 400 kilos. I don't give a fuck where it is. I know it's great doing a comp, but it's not like you get anything for it really is it oh. satisfaction is what you've done it for and it's the you know you, you're proud you pull 400 and then you're, you're happy and proud that you did the diet then pulled it you know it's kind of like two different uh, achievements really isn't it and you're happy about both so yeah 
yeah, like you're still getting the the uh, intrinsic like kind of buzz from doing both. Uh, I think maybe what's a slightly more impressive than uh, doing doing it in a co- doing it in a comp, whereas a lot of people do it for the trophies or for the rec- rec- recognition and stuff. Well, I think what's what's truly more impressive is just the fact that you've got to do it on that given day and you've got to make way and you've got to, you know, like you you, you might warm up and you might think, fucking hell, I, f- I feel a bit shit today, but I've still got to go for that 400 no matter what. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, so I think that's what's a bit more impressive than doing it a comp. But I, th- I think quite a lot of people, yeah, I, I agree with that approach, Shane, of, uh, you know, people who are obsessed with doing it on the platform or whatever, like, I think you've talked about it before, Shane, where you've said like you don't give a fuck, you're just you're just lifting and what you want to hit hit the hit the heaviest weights possible, like for your own satisfaction, really, don't you? Yeah, it's just I just I just think it's fun, and sometimes to me comps take away the fun a little bit because I'm really competitive, and I, instead of looking at my own goals, I look at what I need to do to win, and. For me personally, that's why I'm for us, I'm an Instagram lifter, to be fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, I just get too competitive and end up shooting for the winning time, a winning number, uh, instead of thinking about my own personal progress, which is kind of what I enjoy. So, what, what go on, Luke. I say that's a good thing in terms of you as a competitive athlete because the whole point of the sport is fucking winning. But it, like you say, it does. It can't take away from the fun aspect of things at times. Yeah, especially when there's certain things that, like, the thing in Strongman for me was like events that you don't enjoy, and that you I want to win them, so then I've got to train them. Or you've been delivered pizza. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, read the pizza. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I get, I get, I get that. I get that, Shane. Like, I, I really enjoyed like training in lockdown. Really, like at first, like you know, you know what I'm like in terms of like. Love, love competing and training for the comps and stuff. But this has been this has been a good little test recently, where I've actually just been kind of training to get better, kind of holistically, if you will. You know, like like not being led by get getting uh, getting better at specific events or whatever. Uh, like an example was for since since like fucking January, I've been sat in a wanky, disgusting tire pulling that fucking training arm over arm twice a week and get from being like absolutely dreadful at it to being all right at it or whatever but it's just taken so much so much like it's not just the half an hour twice a week doing it but it's the ordeal of like getting fucking shit up stinking like but but because I'm competitive and because because like that's where I'm going to get my, my most progress for that given comp, if you will. Like, I can, I can completely relate to what you're saying about, like, putting pressure on yourself to, to, to be competitive rather than just, I suppose, lifting to, I don't know, I'm talking shit. You know what yeah, I mean? No, it's, just, uh, it's just strongman the way it goes, and it? Nothing's ever easy to set up, and it's the events that arm over arm. They're the events in comps that, they're the ones that you've got to do well in because everybody's training the dead and log yeah. and then you can make up the points now over arm. So if you do the extra grafted, taking your sled outside, setting up, getting your little station to pull, you've got, sometimes we have, that sort of area you just have to set a yoke up, put an axle through. That, that's, a, that's what we do at Kale. We had a few boys training for the same class as well. Like I had Yanni and I were down. Yeah. It's not so bad, is it? But on your own, it takes ages. Yeah, but by the way, Luke, I don't know if I should talk to you about it, but that that exogenie is fucking unbelievable, mate. Yeah, we're gonna get, we're definitely gonna get one, mate. Just absolutely brilliant because for for that reason, like I was training arm over arm like twice a week, and it was just it was just there set up, and I could do like five or six working sets and. It was fine, you know. You know, like say setting up a sled and loading the plates and stuff. It's an absolute we had, nightmare. We had, to, we had to load up about fucking um, like three hundred kilos on our sled to make it hard. Yeah, well, that's it, and it's just a just an ordeal, isn't it? So then, so then to improve it, you think, oh well, do I need to train this every week? Do it like I'll, I'll be all right just doing it once a fortnight or once a month or whatever, and um, do it on the day. 
Yeah, well, well do, do it on the day. Do I, it on I, the day. Have, I haven't actually done a full prep for a strongman comp for about three years. I just trained deadlift and just wing everything else. <laughs> so, so you just train yeah, the, then, basically. Yeah. yeah I've decided I'm actually going to train some events this year and see how it goes. <laughs> but, yeah, th this is some, something that I wanted to talk about, actually, Luke. I've written it down. Um, I can't remember who I was speaking to, but he said to ask you about, um, about your... It might have been Ethan, actually. Um, and he said, I can't even read my fucking writing, but um, so, something about your your approach being um, up somewhat old school in terms of programming and your belief and your um, and that your your kind of approach is to get strong rather than than um, worrying about. I think he said worrying about like uh, like peripheral stuff. And he's got. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I see on, lot... tell me about it then. Tell me about. It. I see a lot of coaches, so do all this, I see all this fucking shit on Instagram, all this fluff, like, like doing these triceps and movement prep and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying this is important, movement prep, prep definitely helps. But then I'll see all what? these people on Instagram, and then I won't what see a heavy... Monkey bars? I won't, I won't see a heavy deadlift for four months. Yeah, I won't see any heavy squatting, or I won't see any heavy pressing, and I'm like, you're spending fucking forty-five minutes warming up for your session, and you haven't fucking lifted anything. Yeah. And do, do, you find, do you find? Do you find that that's maybe? I suppose there's a, a lot of examples of people out there who, who you look look at, say, their Instagram and follow the progress or whatever, and they'll um, uh, almost just have like. A pet, like, like the, they'll think the the goal is like right. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm training for this competition, and I want to yeah. do my best. Um, but then you just see them training the pet lift, and I'm not getting at you here, by the way. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not getting at you. I'm not getting at you because your goal, you're open about the fact that your your fucking main priority is getting that four, five, five that's thousand pound deadlift or whatever. And the, dif um, the difference, the difference with me as well is, I've been competing for like ten years now, so yeah. I can do. Say, I got a comp kind of in six weeks. I only have to. I only have to do yoke twice. Yeah. Say two sessions, and I'm I'm back up to sprinting with 400 kilos. I don't need to train yoke or farmers or. I mean, I mean, more more like people like say novice level or whatever. Like you see, um, see people get getting into the the first maybe the first year of competing or whatever, and then. They kind of get drawn into the fact of the, the the they're quite good at, or they basically find improvement in one or two lifts like really 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 easy. So then you almost just see them like kind of really plug in those things and not um, like it's ve it's very very different to to you. I'm not. Um, oh no, I I, I understand it, what you're saying. You'll see a guy turn up to a comp and he'll win the overhead and the deadlift. And they'll come yeah. fucking last on the farmers and the sandbag and the York. We we I see it all the time because obviously we run a lot of novice and inters level comps. And yeah, it's yeah, very, yeah. very, very rarely is it the guy who wins the deadlift and the overhead who wins the overall at that level. Because like you said, they just get obsessed with these static lifts that are easy. Whereas when you first start training farmers or York, it takes a long time to get proficient to them. Yeah. Well, that, that that was it. I kind of when I did my first comp, whenever it was a few years ago, like I was kind of that person for a bit where I was like, I was doing a novice comp, and I was like, no repping the overhead. I couldn't do like eighty log or something like that. Uh, the stone I, I hadn't managed before, and a couple of the other events, and then, uh, but I could deadlift two fifty, which was for, for my for my weight and my experience was all right like the deadlift for X was 200 and I was like I was like kind of proud that I could do like 200 for seven or something like that fucking dog shit at everything else but then I was like um I kind of felt like I could de I wanted to dead deadlift all the time and like if if people saw saw me saw me training where I used to train at 315 I wanted to be deadlifting because that was a thing that was all right at. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Whereas from from uh, getting better as an athlete and improving holistically, I suppose like like my, my 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 thing is is all about like 
well-roundedness now and and you'll see the the stuff that I'm say shit at I'll, I'll be posting up and I'll be practicing all the time and I think a lot of it comes down to as well though that improving stuff like you're moving events and you're loading it's boring so say you yeah. want to get better in York you don't get to go fucking max out or do like a five rep max or something like you would on deadlift you have oh, to drop I don't know I fucking love maxing out the yoke I love it mate honestly yoke farmers everything the way I coach you and train myself is like quite light, like 50, 60 to 70%, loads of speed runs, you know, and it, yeah. it's boring. It can be boring, so people just don't want to do it. Getting the old mile yokes in, Luke. Huh? Oh, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> no chance. No chance. You, you're lucky if you ever see me do a 40 meter yoke, mate, like a lot of miles. And I say, so looking for a walk a mile <laughs> with a yoke. <laughs> Going back to what you said, though, about. Um, your method of training being more old school and not including much fluff. I just think that it holds so much merit to how, you know, effective it is to just train the, because basically the old school method is kind of like master your events skill wise and then get stronger and then your events will kind of follow suit. And I think that some coaches get a bit too, they get a bit too sciencey and a bit too into it, a bit too clever for their own good. That's and exactly. Don't apply it properly, basically. Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. Like it's all well and good having all the science, and if but if you don't lift some heavy fucking weights every now and then, you're not you're not gonna get stronger. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now I've got a question I'll ask you. Bit bit of a change of topic, but I always remember that I can't remember which weight it was you peaked for, but you used to deadlift more frequently didn't you and you used to do like um i don't know one day would be uh, normal deads and some days 18 inches or, or yeah. at least in one session you would do quite a lot of variations when is it that you started to find more benefit going to like lower volume top sets did it happen weight or something or what happened and it wasn't so much benefit it was in it was the terms of as the weights got heavier um i just couldn't recover from all the shit I used to do. So as soon as my deadlift got like into the high threes or whatever, um, I still deadlift like twice a week occasionally when it's like a at the start of a build up or whatever when it's lower intensities. But I just can't lift deadlift heavy multiple times a week when you're lifting over 400 kilos. It's just yeah, unless you're doing the uh, you know percentages that are too low to you know yeah, exactly progress that top end. Yeah, so. Because I've always thought, like, around that mid-threes point, you need to start reining back your volume and your frequency and just focus on the intensity on the deadlift. Is that something that you found as well? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, um, well, you used to train me. Like you said, I used to train deadlifts heavy in the week, and then I'd come to Salt Air and train deadlifts heavy again with you. Max deadlift after event session. <laughs> yeah, that's common. Um, but yeah, I would say it was around the 370, 380 mark. Once I started creeping up above there, yeah, it just, it just kill me. And that, how do you... Interesting that your, yours and Josh's method at the moment are like completely opposite. Yeah. Still, still works for the level of, you know, strength, etc. Well, Josh's current method, how he coaches a lot of people, is basically what I did when I was younger. Yeah. I was less strong and that's what built the base for me I think is all the stupid remember we used to look at max and then we did like five drop sets and just crazy volume crazy intensity like multiple times a week and yeah I think that's what built the base of my deadlift but if I try doing that now I just snap but I think I think a lot of it comes down to um, like you say um, I don't obviously we don't know but um, I think the the amount of reps that you have done in your training career compared yeah. to like say compared to like me say for instance like um i'm not saying that i'll uh, i'll be I'll be nowhere won't necessarily be anywhere near you when i've done the equivalent same number of reps but i feel that i'll be whereas you, you probably feel like you're setting up every week you're, you're training once a week or whatever or once a fortnight and you could probably just 
just feels the same, I imagine, pretty much. Like, yeah. whereas with, with me, with me, like, every week still, or every session, like, I've, I thought I would get to the point, like, even in lockdown, where I'm doing it, like, say, four or five times a week sometimes. And, like, literally every session, I feel like I'm gaining a bit more skill. Not necessarily gaining loads in terms of force production, but it's very light and um, low percentage work. But I feel like, what did I do the other day? Like 15 sets of three, uh, 50% EMOM. And it just felt like I just got so much better over the course of the sets. It felt wank to start. And then it was absolutely brilliant towards the end. And to get so much better, I'm doing that consistently. And it's almost like, partly frustrating partly fascinating the fact that i'm still even though i'm doing it a lot i'm still i'm 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 getting more advanced than a lot of people but i'm still getting better technically and advancing my skill i'm not i haven't refined my my kind of perfect setup yet if that makes sense exactly what you think is going to be your final product sort of thing you don't know what yeah like I'll go go in, I'll go and deadlift on a Monday, like after a couple of days rest, and then I'll be thinking it'll almost be like it's getting more consistent. Don't get me wrong, but it'll almost feel like oh fucking hell, it's shit up today or shit up, shit up. And then next week it'll be like I don't even know how how close to set up to the bar. It's mad. Um, so so I, th- I think that's a big thing per- personally is like the the skill acquisition thing. Like um, biggest think, thing. Um, biggest thing that's trained for me really is so I used to um, be able to train through like fatigue quite well so I'd come to like Shane said we used to max deadlift after like four hours of events and I wouldn't think anything of it whereas now if I don't go into a deadlift session fresh or, 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 or relatively fresh it's obviously never going to be 100% if I don't go into that deadlift session fresh the numbers yeah. are not going to fucking happen if I'm off by like 2% yeah, well, I, I suppose what I'm saying, the point I'm making is like when you used to do max deadlift, even yeah. though you were lifting like really good numbers, that it wasn't really a ma- necessarily a max deadlift in terms of force production because yeah, you weren't right. maybe weren't tr- truly maxing out because because yeah. actually your skill your skill wasn't anywhere near as what it is now, and if if you know what I mean. Yeah, whereas now my deadlift technique is. Oh, obviously, it's not perfect. It's quite ugly for some people, but perfect for what I want to do. Um, yeah, if I'm hitting a hundred percent lift, it's actually a hundred percent lift. So it takes more up to you. Yeah, and I think I think uh, so. So I agree with what you're saying about like say dropping the um, like the frequency and stuff to work for you working at the like heavier weights. I think what. Uh, a problem is, is like people kind of try to take that approach, I think, too early and they think they're a bit more advanced than they are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's more what the, I was saying. I wasn't trying to compare the methods and say one was better. I was just meaning that I've noticed it was, with every lifter that gets to them like 400 ranges, they have to rein it back. So yeah. it's almost like not many people get to the 400 range without good skill. And I think most of them probably, like me and Luke did it by accident, trained it frequently just because <laughs> dickheads and just did, do you some deficits? Not all right, whatever, yeah. And then you get good at it and then you kind of start to realise yourself, oh, I probably should, you know, I'm not progressing very well. I'm not, this session's always shit, so I probably shouldn't do it. And then it kind of goes this way, like um, all the, like, Thor and stuff, it's always one top set every two weeks or so. And... Um, Seb always talks about how he's got to take um, 10 to 14 days off between heavy deadlift sessions. And it just I took thing. three weeks off last year before one of my comps, and my deadlift felt the best it ever has. You had how long? Um, I had three and a half weeks off on accident. Because right. uh, I did my last, on my last York session, I <laughs> my back. So on the comp was in like three and a half, four weeks. I, I I thought it crippled my proper snap city, so I just didn't train for four weeks. When the comp it was um, the Welsh Opens last year, I almost pulled four hundred raw. So yeah, well, uh, that was like, that was like an accidental, accidental realization of how much rest I actually needed. Yeah. 
Well, Ben France did a similar thing when he first pulled 350. He, he, he benched, I think he benched 200, which was like a 20 kilo PB. He deadlifted 350 and did um, some kind of squat PB as well. And he got ill three weeks out and just couldn't train and then just went, oh, I'll do the comp anyway. But he'd kind of accidentally done this perfect peak and rest. And I remember him saying, like, I don't know how I did that. And um, it's weird because when, you, when you're forced to do it, you have to do it. But it's almost hard to like, be like, I'm going to take three weeks off. And if you don't feel like you need to, it's, it must be, it's a bit of a head fuck. And then I did something because of, because of that. Um, I did something similar off the SFN because I used to have a last pull like seven to ten days out. But for the SFM, I think I put my last heavy deadlift like 15 or 16 days before. Yeah. And, uh, and, then, I did, and then I did some light speed pulls like six days before just so I felt like I was doing something. And then I felt great on the day. But I, I, physically, I think three weeks would have probably been even better, but ment- mentally I couldn't take that long off. Yeah. You can maybe so do like a so lead session or something, couldn't you, in between, maybe? That might, I don't know, might ease the mental head fuck. Yeah, yeah. That's probably what I'll do next time, to be honest. So what what would you say to, um, so a, a takeaway for the listeners, because um, a lot of the guys listening will be, um, I suppose, at the, say, novice, intermediate level or whatever, who um, I think, Give them give them like a bit of basic programming that you'd that you'd give someone who instead of thinking about you getting from like say four hundred to four fifty five and how you'd approach that, how would you approach somebody's program who comes comes to you for coaching and they want to get from say a two hundred deadlift to a two twenty deadlift? In Honestly, say I, I, what I approach programming for like novice levels very similar to you. Um, pull multiple times a week, a lot of volume. Don't really go heavy every now and then, but I don't really push the intensities that much. I tend to maybe so, have like so, so if somebody can, if somebody can train, sorry, wait there. Let me sorry. let me finish. Let me finish my question, Luke, and then yeah. you can go ham on it. Um, <laughs> right. So, so just let like let's talk about somebody who can who wants to get from two hundred to two twenty. Yeah. They do a four four day split, maybe like say lower overhead rest day, lower and some events, upper and some of it. What whatever typ- typical split. Um, the assume that they're they're already well rounded. Um, yeah. So so we don't want it. They don't want to necessarily specialize in deadlift. Um, yeah. But they want to get from that say two hundred to five hundred pound range or whatever like. What would what would you how would how would like a, a shape of the like say a twelve week block look for you assuming that they're not specifically training for a comp? Honestly, at that, level, can... at that level, I personally don't really do stuff like twelve week blocks because they still get new games. So I tend to adjust things every week or every two weeks. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't really plan stuff out that far in advance with people at that level. Yeah, I I agree with that. By the way, I agree with that. Um, but I put I'd have deadlifted on both the lower days. Um, what I tend to do just because I just think it works well is, um, they'll deadlift first on on one of the days as in the, as in the primary movement and they'll go heavier. Where whether it'll be again, I I tend to play it by year. I'll tend to do a lot of fives at that level. They might be multiple sets or whatever. Then on the second day, um, I'll tend to have them do deadlifts as a secondary or third one. So it might be after squats. It might be after some farmers. It might be after yoke or whatever. And then it tends to be a lot lighter with more volume. Similar to your approach with the twins, where you have them do like 10 sets of five and slowly increase the volume. Similar to that. Yeah. But I normally have it on a, on a um, variation. Yeah. Um, a lot of that is just to stop it being boring. Right, okay. People, so, so do, you, I, I, do you... I think people underestimate the power of boredom in a training program. And Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. It's not always about having the most efficient program in terms of actually getting you strong. It's something that people are actually going to do and pay attention to. Um, so I tend to do like, and then that day, say it's a deficit deadlift day, 
or a block pull day or whatever. I tend to be light there, more for speed. Um, but with the... so, so, so the deadlifting from different heights, like say deadlifts and block pulls, like yeah, do you, do you have like um, a general <laughs> do, do you areas generally, or do you or do you figure it like all, all of the different heights, if you will? Like, do you just cycle them anyway? Yeah, I just have to cycle them anyway, mate, because yeah. um, I think they all have their place, even if you're not weak on that particular point. Like, say you're weak off the floor. Or no, say you're fast off the floor. You can still... Yeah. Is he gone? Stop training me. Oh, no, he's back. Yeah, sorry. Say, say that again, Luke. If you fa- if you fast off the floor, you should still train. What? Sorry, you just went blind. You should still train to improve your start speed. So even if someone's really fast off the floor, I'll still have yeah. them do a, a block of low Yeah. It's it as well that the uh, <clears throat> like when you vary in heights and stuff. It's sometimes, especially for a novice, it's like novel stimulus, isn't it? Like they've not done it exactly. before. And exactly, exactly. And that and, yeah. Both physically and mentally. Yeah. yeah. Even if they pull a big weight from 18 inch, and it, even if it has zero carryover, if they pull a 30 kilo over they've pulled before, the brain's like starting to go, oh, maybe I can get this from the floor. And then, they, you know, they start uh, getting their mental barriers, like the 220 mark, the pound mark. It's like mental, you know, you want to you hit that, don't you? Sometimes it can be a bit of a head fuck when you've actually put it on the bar. And what you can do on that secondary day to keep the it going for longer, you could do, say, you do for like four weeks of deficit pulls on that day. Say you, top, say you top out to like 160 to five sets of five or whatever. Say that's hard. You can then move that to floor pulls, still bump the weight of five kilos. So to that novice... All he sees is the number going up, even though the weight, even though the exercise yeah. is easier. And then, say you top out on those floor pulls on one seventy-five four weeks later, you can then bump it up onto three-inch blocks, click up to one eighty. Then you can ride that yeah. for top of the two hundred. Then you can track it up to six-inch blocks or whatever. And in that way, they feel like, oh, there's more weight going on the bar every week. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So what what I like what I like um what what Shane does um that that's good for like the, the mental side is like say if you've done like say a couple of weeks where you've gone linear linear progression in terms of just adding load to a variation or whatever and then you're at the point where oh it may be a little bit tricky or yeah. if you're having if you're having a shit day it's gonna be it's going to be tough to get the top set or your technique might break down or whatever. Like Shane might do something where he changes it to an RPE based thing where you build up in weight or whatever. So it kind of puts the onus on the, on the athlete to, yeah. because, because at the end of the day, most of us fucking just go ham anyway and max out, don't we? So, uh, so, so I think, I think that that's a, a real good way of um, like kind of managing the, you know, like the mental side and the motivation side. You know, like say we're, we're basically when the when the athlete or the or the, the the guy training like gets to the point where they can almost guess what the next week's progression is going to be in terms of load. You can almost like throw, throw in that kind of um, thing that just challenges them in a different way. And, and instead of thinking, oh, I'm going up to one six five five sets of five today, you're thinking, oh, we'll start at one forty and start at one forty for five and add weight and finish on a finish on a heavy five like you might actually get like a fucking daft five rep, random five rep pb there with the buzzing with if you will I'll, I'll often start a block with five by say it's like 14 inch pull five five by five i'd load every set end rp8 and yeah. then you get a figure of a set of five you'd, and then maybe you just get so so much information from that don't you from for yeah, you can watch the video as well see how hard it is and then you can rein them back and do some volume work for two or three weeks. And then you might go uh, five by five, I'd load again with RP9. And not only can they go a higher RP, but they've got 
you know, progression from the volume and the buzzing because they were like, fucking hell, if they, if they forget it was RP8 as well a couple of weeks ago and they see yeah. load. And sometimes they might get like a massive PB as well. It's always good to, to do that because then you, you're kind of seeing where your progressions are at because sometimes if you're doing five kilo a week progression, if they're getting really good newbie gains and it's too too slow for them, you just throw a little test yeah. and then you realise, oh shit, he's actually 10 kilo ahead of where I thought he was. We need to, you know, go forward a little bit. Yeah, or even throw an arm wrap in there or something just to... Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. That sort of thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, what I'm gonna say. That, that's a good point. I think a lot of um, novices hold themselves back in terms of gains. So they'll, like, let's say they'll add two, half, two and a half kilos or five kilos a week. If you can fucking put more on, do it. I just don't see the point of... Obviously, the longer you can yeah, progress, the better... But every now and then, if you want to take a bigger jump, then yeah, it's like you say, cashing in as well. And if obviously the lifter always knows a little more than the coach because they, well, they're they're themselves, so they can say to the coach, "Oh, I put on seven kilo. It's still way within me. We can still progress." But you know, I felt like two kilo was too slow or something. Um, and then you can follow suit with, with progressions. I'll tell you one thing. I'll ask you while you're on here because not anybody on here can ask this yet. <laughs> <laughs> drugs questions Ooh, I like drug questions <laughs> so we'll keep it simple wait a minute you've know, had loads of guys on here who take drugs yeah you know but shut up I can't ask, you can't say that wait it's a fucking strongman podcast well apparently you can't say it apparently because the night but whatever um, the thing I wanted to ask you is Obviously, we could go into some detail about what you do and stuff, but we'll stray from that unless you want to chat to you about that. But um, the what would you say to somebody who's... Because it's often in novice level, isn't it, that you go to a novice comp and uh, say it's your first novice comp, you, they'll be shocked by people that are on gear and it kind of becomes associated with the sport at a low level. So what would you say to somebody who's novice level, still, make, still can make gains natural, uh, but has been kind of approached in this group of people that take gear and would you say you know what would basically what would you say to them what would your advice be um first thing i always ask people if they ask me about gear is what do you want to do long term because if you're not in this sport for like i don't want to say for life but if you're not in it for the long haul then there's no point taking fucking drugs if you're just going to do a few novice comps or you're just going to compete for two or three years why would you risk the health, the negative, negatives that can come with drugs? Yeah, but ju- but just playing devil's advocate, like I don't know if that's the right term or not. Uh, but um, like I don't think anybody goes into the sport and just says like, oh, I'm just going to do two or three years. Like I don't think many people do that. I think oh, I think there's I, got, I think there's actually there's actually more people in there who who actually think they're going to do it for, forever. But then they, I mean more, they, they I give mean up after you. I mean, I mean more in terms of goals. Yeah, like, and like, training base as well, couldn't you? Like, if you're going to train, yeah. you got to know you're going to train. Like, I'll tr- I know I'm going to train whatever. So, you know what I mean? Like, whether it's strongman or whatever, I'm going to be in the gym. Yeah. I, I, for most novices, I just tell them not to fucking do it because it's stupid. Um, but I will say, like, what level do you plan on competing at? Because... Two seconds. I put my phone on charge. It's like Shane's talked about it a bit before. I think if you're gonna go on gear, at least like properly, then you need to come to the realization that it will have long lifetime effects if you go on drugs seriously. But yeah, you can do one or two cycles and run a PCT. But if you're on long term for like a few years, it'll affect your fertility, it'll affect your heart. Um, for most people, it'll affect your mental, mental well-being. And it's just, I would I'd always tell people not to take it too lightly. Yeah, that's um, a good point about the mental thing. Uh, I often forget to mention that, mainly because I don't really suffer from it myself. But if you've got bad anxiety uh, and depression, it can, you know, make it worse in some cases. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'll always say to people, um, especially if they're clients of mine, so we can be a bit more open in terms of obviously the mental 
well-being. If it's if a random stranger, I'm not going to ask them, are you depressed or do you have anxiety? Yeah. Um, <laughs> people don't take that into account enough. And you'll see, how many basket cases do you see of novice strong and going gear and they're just fucking crazy, absolutely batshit insane. Yeah, I mean, it destroys relationships as well. Because you can change your personality and, uh, you know, the test running for a male can make you do some stuff that you wouldn't have done if you didn't go on. So, yeah. Um, So, yeah, if a novice asks me a question, I will generally just tell them not to do it. Um, If they're persistent, then I'll probably end up giving them some sort of advice on what to Take course wide, but yeah, my my, my, right, my, my come on then, Luke. Come on then, Luke. What what, what would you what, if I if I approached you and I said, right, I, I want to finish. Um, yeah. I don't know, top 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 three at Worlds under nineties in in the next five years. Like you'd five, say you can five do it in six months. <laughs> for, <laughs> five 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 year plan or three year or like I'm I'm committed to it long term. I'm. Um, like what? What would be like a sense, like a, a kind of a sensible route into it? Um, don't start too if, high. So you'll see, you'll see so many people will start off running like fucking three miller tests a week or whatever. Whereas you could, you can easily run two hundred milligrams, two hundred fifty milligrams of test and crazy fucking gains, like absolutely insane. That's still like multiple times the hormonal levels of a natural man. And the lower you start, the longer you can go without having to take crazy doses. So if you start yeah. off, if you start off a grammar test, you can only go up from there to make the same gains. Whereas if you start nice and low, over time, obviously the doses will go up. Especially if you're gonna, if you said to me, "I want to become top five in the world in the next five years," that would say to me that you have no plans of coming off, so you'd be blasting and cruising. I don't know if you've talked about that. I think you've talked about that a little bit before. Yeah, well, yeah. I always say that if you want to get the best performance benefit, yeah, yeah. you can cruise and not PCT because you're wasting 12 weeks of... 100%. So if, if you were going that route, then you just, I would just start off at a very, very low basic test. You'd run that 12, 15 weeks or whatever. You'd drop down. Next time, you'd bump it up a little bit more. You'd, I, I, I personally, I know... Like guys who've won world championships running nothing but tests and like some a bit of orals, um. So it, it depends how your body reacts to it, to be honest. So that's not something I could say just straight off, but I would just start off with a small amount of testosterone, and you'd be amazed. <laughs> and what what would you say, Shane? What would your answer to that question be? If someone told me a five, well, if you told me a five year plan to win worlds in the night, I'd I'd wouldn't really think it'd be a, a very realistic goal. I'd, I'd think you would be better off aiming in a year. So that would be my answer to the question, like 2021, because um, I think I think because you have never done it or experienced it, you underestimate the transition, the first transition. It's like when you first start training, that first cycle, you, you, never, you never get that again. Um, no. So, yeah, you yeah, there's a yeah, big... I, 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 was just, I was just talking in terms of his five-year plan to start off. With yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm just... I'm just if he uh, said he wanted to win next year... trying to get year, Josh on gear. <laughs> if he said he wanted to win it next year, it'd be like three grams of trend. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, basically, what I would say is exactly the same as Luke. Start low. Start with uh, easy compound like testosterone and um, see, see how you get on with it because most people will find that it's you know, well, I don't think I've ever really heard anyone say it's crap. So, <laughs> if, if you think it's crap, it's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and then like, what, what... like you say, Luke, watch your mental health and watch your, uh, you know, obviously read into it, be educated, research the side effects, and just see how your body reacts. And um, obviously, some for some people, they they may be better off running a lower dose of test and maybe adding something else in instead if they don't react well to test, but. 90% of males are going to probably feel amazing on it because it's your male hormone. It's uh, kind of meant to be there, but not in them crazy. So I, I, I run low-dose low tests, so. So what, yeah. why, would you, why would you progress or 
ver- like vary? Why would you go into other stuff? Like what 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 kind of um, I suppose other other common pets like what? Why would why would you choose that, that to move to them? Like the more extreme results, quicker time frame, or different different ones work for different people, or what? All of the above. So you add more compounds, you're gonna get more gains. It's that simple, basically. You take more something, it's gonna it's gonna, it's gonna help more. It's it's that simple, really. But like, yeah, so some... you, you don't need to overcomplicate. Well, you, yeah, you, you don't overcomplicate gear really in terms of the result. In terms of the effect on your body, it's pretty complex. Yeah. What, yeah. what what happens in the gym is pretty simple. That's why you see little little guys that just turn up for summer to get big, and they get on a lot of test and decker and D ball, and they put on. 30, 40 pound in four weeks, um, you know, because they just take loads. And um, I would say as well, you've got to see how you react to stuff. If you don't react well to test, you might um, lower it down and and then try Decker or something, and you might feel much better on that. And on that note, I would say just get your bloods taken regularly so you can see what's actually happening to your body rather than just guessing, which most people tend to do. Yeah, because you don't know if your bloods are bad, do you really? You'll feel fine. Terrible, so yeah. it's no point, so getting, look, no point getting strong as fuck if you're gonna die, basically. You can't get win a comp if you're dead. <laughs> so, are we, are we done on that topic, or are you gonna dig a bit deeper, Shane? I'm gonna do my what? what? I said, Are we done on that topic, or are you gonna dig a bit deeper? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I just wanted to get... What's the class drugs? <laughs> <laughs> class. Um, right, look, so Luke, back to, back to deadlifting. Um, what, would you, what would you say to somebody who is doing really high rack pulls to improve the lockout? <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to ask this question. <sighs> Kill themselves. No, go, no, go, go, let, 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 let me uh, take, not, not take the piss in a sec. Um, so, um, what, what would you say? What would you say your advice would be to to somebody who is aiming to the setting up for the deadlift and the fast fast off the floor? They get it over the knee and then they then it really slows down and like turns into a hitch and that's like they're doing most of the. The, the the work like that the the guys that are fast fast off the floor You're talking about Luke's deadlift yeah yeah so so how how would you how would you address like say not novice or whatever um who, who wants to improve that uh, improve improve the the lockout strength like what mm-hmm. what exercise in particular or or are you just going to go go back to your just generally getting strong and cycle of variations and stuff um. or Nine times, out of, nine times out of ten, it's just a positional issue. So, if the position is wonk to start with, it's going to be even worse when they get above the knee. So, make sure that if, if you're talking about someone who's technically proficient and they're still slow above the knee, then it's different. But um, my go-to exercise for improving my locker strength is just deficits. I just yeah. don't think it, I don't think it really needs to get any more complicated than that. I do a lot of deficit deadlifts. Um, I'm not doing a lot of deficits at the moment, which you can tell because my lockout shit. Um, well, pull with bands occasionally, but yeah, I said more for most people, especially at novice level, it's just because the positioning shit. I'm weak at the above my knee because I pull with that rounding upper back, so it allows me to shoot off the floor. But I'm always going to be in a crap position to lock the weight out. It's just it's a trade off. So I'm trading off the poor lockout. I know that to rip it off the floor. Yeah, and in strongman, you obviously are allowed to hit. You don't really hitch. Though. Well, you do hitch, but it's more of a knee rebend, isn't it? It's like a quick. It's like quite a nice technique. It's like a quick knee rebend to get well, your position better to yeah. lock out. I, I I only started doing that last year. I don't know if you used to remember. I used to pull like quite clean, but then um, what comp was it? I was in a comp in like 2018, I think it was. And I couldn't quite lock it out. And I just didn't know how to hitch. Yeah, so I, I get I, that. I got, I got like two inches, I got two inches from lockout, but I just I was stuck. So then last year I, I, I spent about six to eight weeks just practicing that um rebend of the knees. 
and it's something I do on purpose now, just to make the locker more efficient. Yeah, well, it works because you, you're kind of ticking both boxes. You're getting that speed off the floor, and then you're like having a slight positional switch to lock it out. Right. So people people watch my dad and think, oh, he's hitting it because he's not strong enough to lock it out. It's like, no, I'm purposely, I'm purposely doing yeah. that for a better position because it's fucking... Yeah, well, it, it plays the rules, aren't you? So Yeah. It's that, it's that thing that we've kind of touched on before where we're, where we're saying that if you get beaten beaten by somebody and you don't, you don't hitch and they fucking hitch and you think that if you'd have been skilled at hitching, you would have done an extra five kilos, then then I, are you holding your, your, yourself back when well, it was within the rules of the sport? That kept, yeah. that was, that happened to me at a few cops, so that's when, that's when I started to hitch or taught myself how to do it. What, what do you think, Shane? Yeah, about hitching, like, training Personally, because I'm a... Just the way I, my mechanics used to, I've got a better lockout than floor speed, so I, yeah. I don't tend to ever need to <clears throat> really, really hitch. I tend to fail just below the knee and never Mid-shin. get to, to hitch. Uh, but yeah, if I, if I needed to hitch, well, actually, to be fair, back in the day, I used to have a proper poundstone hitch. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely pulled a few hitches out of the bag in my time. And what what would you say is like got you from doing that poundstone hitch to like say um, what some might say failing in a bet I suppose a a nicer position I suppose um, like below the knee you know <clears throat> well the thing like man Luke's approach to deadlift is very different so I would say for me personally it would be stuff like I, I'm a big fan of heavy rows and assistant basically posterior chain assistance work so when i do anything row based i will have it uh basically in a position that will carry over to my deadlift that's why i always say to people when we're doing that over row make sure it goes below the knee every rep because i don't want people rowing just above the knee where we're just kind of training lats in quite a high hinge position i'd rather be more hinged over row below the knee isometrically hold with a neutral spine or, or whatever spine position you pull in and then row. So then you're kind of reinforcing motor patterns, not just on deadlift day, but on every day of the week, basically. And that for me was a big change I made quite a long time ago that basically stopped my spine uh, going into flexion um, when, I, when I pulled off the floor. And as soon as I built that base of strength, um, it ended up being this more even pull and it felt like I could pull the same speed throughout. But then at max, I always failed just below the knee. I always get these shaky legs. They start fucking shaking. My body starts rattling. And if it comes over my knee, I lock it out. If I don't, I kind of explode. What what would you say to, um, say, say to somebody who's like like Shane then in terms of variation would be your go-to variation to uh, improve that floor speed I know you like low block pulls don't you for that and if so can you exp- explain the theory behind it and the logic so people can uh, give it a go um, it doesn't have to be low block pulls that's just why I prefer any kind of block pull where the hardest part is breaking it off the ground. If the hardest part is breaking it, it's going to improve your start speed. Um, people associate like your start speed with just from a nine inch. But if you improve your yeah. start speed from a 12 inch position or a 15 inch position, that will carry over to the floor. It's, the reason I like low block pulls is just the sweet spot for me where it takes out the quads a little bit, removes the legs from the equation and just transfers all the load to the, just the back on the posterior chain. So then I find if that improves, my, me personally, my fall speed just goes to the roof. But also... Yeah, I'm, I'm a massive fan of that. Speed, uh, floor speed's going to carry over to everything, isn't it? So if it yeah, comes off definitely. the floor faster, you, you're going already accelerating into lockout faster. So it's like you should always be striving to get that. Well, on a similar topic, it's, you know when people say if... Um, you're already fast off the floor, suits won't work for you. That bollocks. Yeah. 
if you put a suit on, they're already fast off, or you just get faster off the floor. Yeah, you just get faster, and then that sticking point, you you fucking point just go past it, don't you? Exactly. Yeah. The, but, uh, but it's, it's the, the same it's the same theory with improving your start speed, even if you're already fast off the floor, it's always going to help. Yeah, well, it just t- just takes you p- past that point where you stick, doesn't it? Like you get sick. That that's what that's what I, what I always say to people when they start pulling in a suit. Like I think a lot of people make the mistake pulling in a suit where they almost like, um, right. Well, it, it feels a bit easier off the floor, so I'm going to save my energy to uh, the spot where I lock it out. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, fucking pour absolutely everything into it and use that use that assistance and then. That that bit where it get where it gets tough at the instead of saving your energy for that you won't even feel that because you'll be like if you if you like use it to to accentuate that already good floor speed as you as as you just said. Um, I think I think it go, goes back to the um, I suppose I don't know whether it's a debate between us or not, um, but but it's um, certainly. You see, some people some people take the general approach of um, of like say just do just say deadlift for instance, and we'll we'll have three or four different variations, and we'll get better at three or four different variations, and then we get better, yeah. And then you have the the, the other kind of people who'll be like, right, well, let's be really specific at work that weak point to work this, blah 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 blah, and then they get better. But the the point the point is that hopefully that I think we've we've kind of made a little bit is that it like we've got three different approaches here to like programming people deadlifts or coaching people deadlifts and they'll all get get people better and improve won't they and i think the the key key thing to to take away is like whatever you program like just make sure you enjoy it make sure you can make sure you can commit to it and and be be motivated to do it and be excited to do it because if you have the shittest program in the world, but you go all in and fucking commit yeah, it, some- commit to it and execute it, you, you'll get you'll get you'll get loads better. Rather yeah. than I think I think too many people um, at all levels really like try and find that oh what's the best way or the best way to and and they kind of they kind of miss the boat in terms of the fact that that's actually just well just keep 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 turning up, keep being consistent, keep grafting. If it's not if it's not a fucking ideal variation at this point in the what it don't matter just still fucking graft on it and you you, you will get better like I, I I've learned I've learned a little bit bit of that from you Shane where I've thought um you've you've put in my plan before like stuff that you know like say for instance did did low block pulls for ages and because it made so much sense to me and I wanted I wanted to get better at them and I did I did get better at them it was like something that was really really struggled with and I got a bit better of them and they they had good carryover and then I went to a variation I think I might have gone deficits next or something like that 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 I felt better at that I felt like I almost felt like well I almost don't need to do this because more I feel really really strong and really powerful at this position but but then from doing that and just grafting on it for three or four weeks or whatever like I had all the benefits that I didn't foresee, if you will. Like, even though it wasn't necessarily working, it, it goes back to this point, what we just kind of explained that might be confusing to a lot of people listening. But it, instead of instead of just, instead of seeking to work the weak point all the time, like, if you, if you also improve all the other stuff around it, sometimes you don't even need to be strong at that weak point because it doesn't actually come into play. Because yeah. you you being stronger at the other other point, you've already gone taken momentum past that sticking point. If that makes any sense, to you. do you know what I mean? I've just fucking touched shit there, but <laughs> but it, it makes, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, if, re, re, just re. Is he, is he gone? So it goes back to this thing of no, no. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm just. I'm still waffling on in my car. I don't know if you can hear me or not. No, I was going to say exactly the same thing. So even if you felt your deficits were say it, strong, say it then. Say it. Repeat what I've just said. <laughs> and your lockout was already strong. For example, if your deficits get stronger, you've got stronger. Even if it's not a weak point, as long as you've got stronger in a movement, your muscles have got stronger. You've got stronger. It's like 
if someone wants to do a rack pull, for example, to where if they lock out, yeah, it won't have direct carry over to their lock out the way they think it will, but it'll probably make their fucking back stronger, which in turn will make their deadlift stronger in the long run. Yeah, and the whole thing for me is just, um, I mean, it was invented by Louis Simmons, really. I mean, not a lot of people know the actual proper West Side method, but the, the reason why they rotate movements is because they basically peak a movement really quickly and then they'll drop it, rotate it, peak a movement, and they're getting the neurological benefit of this new stimulus every single time. And that's carrying over to all the muscles in the posterior chain. And then when they deliver from the floor, they're still doing that for, for speed and skill all the time. And so that'll be a cycle as well where they go heavy, but it all will come into like one package where they get like a, a PB on the competition lift, so to speak. And, and another benefit of like the, what you just said about Louis Simmons method as well is like um, the kind of uh, reduction in chance of over, overuse injuries as well. Like if you, if you're, yeah, you're like exactly, say yeah. say smashing block pulls for three for you you've done week one where you've you've smashed it and it's pretty good and then week two you've done a little linear progression and then you get to week three and you're fucking dreading it because you're thinking fucking Elmo felt a bit snappy last week whereas <laughs> where <laughs> and I'm adding load whereas you think whereas you think you've got you've got you've got your new variation or new stimulus that you can just kind of um, graft on and, and like you say get the the neurological benefits but your skill is relatively low because it, it, you've not been as exposed to it as much so your risk may be um, slightly reduced via that Right, as much as I love you two, I really need to go I really need to go, like, I really need to go <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's wrap So we're going to have to wrap this up uh, no. That was great. Enjoy. Thanks for your time, Luke. You look good. Yeah, mate. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Thank you. No worries, guys. I see you. Like, diddly dum dum. Done.